Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out! You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Everybody, welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, hosting today from our beautiful studios in Chicagoland. John Meadows is directing and producing, and with MLB opening day, opening up tomorrow, we have a big guest here with us to talk all things Cubs and Major League Baseball. He is the co-host of the Recap Cubs podcast and an MLB insider over at Sportsnet, also a former Cubs insider at NBC Sports Chicago, Gordon Wittenmeyer, here with us on the program. Gordon, great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to see you, too. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, what do you think about opening day coming up tomorrow? I'm sure it brings up a lot of memories for you. Well, I was out there for the workout day, and it's friggin' cold. <laughs> I don't know why they're not playing this thing in Milwaukee where they actually have a roof and some climate control, but all right. Maybe uh, maybe it plays into the Cubs pitching staff's uh, favor. What's the coldest opening day you've been a part of covering this team? It's always not oh, nice man. beginning of the year in March and April. I know we've had some in the 30s. Wow. Uh, and, you know, and, and in blustery conditions on top of that sometimes. Shoot, we had one year, 2015 maybe, right in that 14-15 range where they uh, preemptively banged the game because of, of the forecast, and it turned out turned out they probably could have played. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's how bad it gets, right? I, I don't understand – I know there's equity in the schedule that, you know, that the MLB talks about, but if it's the Cubs and the Brewers and they're 80 miles apart and one has a dome and it's the first weekend of the season, play in the friggin' dome. There's nothing non-equitable about that. <laughs> you mentioned the Cubs starting rotation. Do you think they're really going to have an advantage in that cold weather to open up the year? Well, you know, yeah relative to all else being equal, but maybe not relative to the Brewers rotation, right? <laughs> Is that what we're saying? Because uh, Corbin Burns, uh, it doesn't seem to matter what the conditions are when when he pitches. So uh, uh, I don't know what to think of this Cubs lineup either. Um, it'll it'll be a test out of the gate as whether uh, whether they, uh, yeah, I don't know. I Because I got to tell you, there's no way, in, unless – Cody Bellinger recaptures his MVP all-star level glory and Eric Hosmer kind of re- reinvents himself and, it, it, you know, gets, you know, finds a fountain of youth. I don't know where they're getting any more runs than they got last year and maybe less, you know, Wilson Contreras is gone. And, uh, and if these guys are what they were the last couple of years, these new guys, then I don't see a whole lot more runs. How do you explain some of these moves? I mean, the Hosmer signing, the Bellinger signing to me was most questionable too. Well, okay, so they're Hosmer's signing's easy, right? It doesn't cost you anything. Sure. Right? You, you need a first baseman. Otherwise, you were looking at, you know, sort of force feeding a debut on Matt Mervis or, or at least um, putting him in a position where 
you didn't want him going into spring training where you're everybody thinks it's his job to lose that kind of thing. Mervis will come on his own timeline. The fact that he got Hosmer for nothing, you got to pay him the minimum because I think San Diego's still picking up the freight on him. Uh, that means you got no commitment to him. You could release him in May if you want, if you think Mervis is ready and Hosmer's not doing the job and it doesn't cost you anything. And then here comes Mervis. So that one makes a lot of sense just from a cost standpoint. The Bellinger standpoint is is a roll of the dice. And and Jed Hoyer has said this a thousand times if he said it once. There's almost no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Um, so $17.5 million, if he's any good at all, uh, it, that pays for itself. Uh, they've got tons of money uh, short-term in terms of uh, payroll flexibility. So it really doesn't cost you that way. And so here's the thing. He could, what if he goes off and he has all-star type, uh, all-star type numbers and he helps you contend this year, which Vegas doesn't think is going to happen. But, but if it does happen, it's going to be in large part because something like that happens, right? So great. Here you go. It worked out great and nobody's going to bat an eye at the money. And if he has a decent season and the club's not doing well, it's a one-year deal. He's a left-handed bat who can catch the ball. There would be a lot of teams that would be interested in something like that at the deadline. Are you anticipating some sort of career renaissance for Bellinger this year? No. I mean, I'm not I'm not, not anticipating it. I just <laughs> don't see any reason for it. He goes, you know, yeah, you can talk all you want about, well, you know, I got a new, uh, I got a new approach. I got new mechanics. I got, I'm fixing this. I'm fixing that. Well, why didn't, why the hell didn't you fix it last year? You know, I, you know, I, I just, I don't, maybe it'll happen or maybe it won't. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Um, He'll catch the ball in the meantime. That's the upside, right? As long as he stays healthy, you get some run prevention out of the deal. Gordon Whitmire here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. Gordon, what do you make of this Cubs lineup as a whole? We've talked about Hosmer and Bellinger. What else do you see from this lineup this season? Well, I, I really like Nico Horner. And we know he just got the the three year extension, uh, which buys out one year of his free agency. So that's nice. You know he's going to be there for a while. I really like him at second base too, because as good as he was at shortstop last year, which was very very good, he's Gold Glove caliber at second. Uh, I would suggest he might be the Gold Glove favorite at second this year. So I like that. I like him defensively in the lineup. I I love his bat. It's he's. He's developed over the last year and a half sort of in a on a linear path, which you don't often see. And I don't see any reason why he won't um, hold that path and maybe even get better. Uh, I don't know if the contract – he seems like the kind of a guy with a level head. You know, the, the, the little bit of security of that contract might even make it better for him. Uh, but I like – the expectations of him this year. I think he'll produce. I think you'll see a batting average 280 plus on base percentage. I mean, he, he doesn't walk a ton, but on base 330 plus, right? And then uh, you're not going to have a, a bunch of power, but he's a dub, doubles type guy. And watch him on the bases with the rules changes. So I like him. Ian Happ, uh, I like what I saw last year a lot. He's got the, he, he figured it out from both sides of the plate last year. That was great. I need to see him do it again, right? Before before I start banking on 
what I think he'll he'll do this year. Um, we just talked about Bellinger. I don't know Hosmer. Who the hell knows? Um, Mancini. He should be good. You got Nick Madrigal who's probably going to play third base uh, in the opening day lineup. Uh, that's a pretty meager offensive piece for a third baseman. I mean, he does one thing, right? He hits, he, he hits singles. I mean, basically that's what he does. Right. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you, he's a nice, you know, maybe number nine hitter. And then, and then in a good year or a good month, you can, you can, you know, utilize him in different spots of the order, especially based on matchups, nothing wrong with him, nothing wrong with that, but it's not, he's, he's not going to be a difference maker. Certainly not in the middle of the order guy. I don't know who the hell you got uh, as a middle order guy. Your, your catchers or you got one who's okay and one who's kind of a non-factor offensively. If we're talking offensively, I just don't know where they're going to get put, – put it this way. Last year, they were a little bit below average in runs scored. I, I would have said – I would have said to you going the offseason, if this team wants to compete, I'd like to see another half run a game of, of offense. And then we see Wilson Contreras hit the bricks and, and, and we see some of these upside rolls of the dice, a couple of guys that you, you, you kind of know what you get, uh, but I think they might have lost a half run uh, a game. Um, I think that's kind of the margins you're working with. Um, if, if you're fortunate and if it plays to script, you'll be lucky to kind of have an average run producing lineup in my mind. Do you think they want to be competitive this year? Yeah, but I don't think they, I mean, they spent over $300 million on players. I don't think they wanted to spend what it actually would have taken to do that. I mean, coming out of last year, if you were honest with yourself and I suspect they were pretty honest with themselves, you had five or six bankable major leaguers that on your roster that you could say, okay, that guy's going to be on the opening day roster for sure. And maybe do something for us. Um, you had a lot to fill just to assure that you had a major league quality roster. That's where the $300 million comes in. Sometimes I, sometimes I kind of think that, it, you know, when people point at that number, it's misleading um, 177 of it's Dansby Swanson. That was the one player that they grabbed off the market that they think they're going to build around that'll be here when that, you know, next great Cubs team arrives. Maybe Jamison Tyon. You know, if if last year they built incrementally by bringing in Suzuki um, for 99 million, 85 on a contract plus the posting fee, and then Stroman on his three-year deal, 70, 71 million. This year's version of that is Swanson and Tayo, right? So you're still looking at kind of incremental outside additions uh, to, to, to basically build that core. I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, I, I think they'll be better this year. Um, but the, last year's 74 wins was kind of skewed by a really good second half uh, that – was somewhat circumstantial, right? Uh, they got they got some really nice pitching. Uh, 
you know, they didn't necessarily, necessarily score a lot. And then, you know, and then we, we just discussed where the lineup is now, but they also had a weaker schedule in the, in, in the second half last year. And even if you were to go replay it, replay that schedule with all the same players, I'm not sure you would get the same 39 and 31 result. In other words, I don't think you're going to duplicate that in a, in a similar setting this year. And I suspect that they'll be far enough out of the race at the trade deadline that they probably do wind up being at least limited sellers. And uh, it, so you could wind up seeing a record that's similar, maybe not much better, uh, and, and yet still see some significant strides toward competing. When do you think they'll be a division contender, maybe even a World Series contender? How far out are oh, we wow. for that? Wow. Do you see a game one playoff starter anywhere in the vicinity of the north side of Chicago? Not right do now. You, no. Do you see a middle of the order? <laughs> uh, do you see one middle of the order bat that looks anything remotely like Goldschmidt or, or, or Arenado? Diehard Cubs fans would probably say Patrick Wisdom, but I won't sip the Kool-Aid, Gordon. I know you won't either. I, I would hope the diehards are, are a little wiser than that because uh, <laughs> that's a lot of strikeouts. And, you know, I talk about Nick Madrigal basically does one thing. Wisdom does one thing. He hits the ball a long way when he connects. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Eddie, you know, he, he can at times be good in the field, too. What do you think about the Cubs rotation? I don't think they're going to replicate last year, but there's certainly a lot of young, controllable pitchers that we'll get a chance to see this season. You know, it's interesting when you say that, and I agree with you. It's the same. I mean, Wade Miley's not there, but he only made, what, half dozen starts anyway. Right. Uh, but Smiley's back, and, and, and he had a, a nice run for him when he finally got himself healthy. Wisniewski's back for, for an entire run now um, after looking pretty good in September. Justin Steele's back for what they hope is going to be an actual full season for the first time. Um, Stroman's back. Remember, he had some health issues last year. He's back for an opening day start. And then you add Jamison Tyon to that. So, you know, if you want to, if you do want to sip some Kool-Aid uh, and, and you want, you know, the optimism of opening day at its fullest, uh, go ahead and dream on that a little bit, because if everything falls just right, they have a chance to perform uh, and they've got enough arms in the bullpen. You would think you, you could hold some leads. Problem is you're not going to score a ton of runs. You have to win a lot of three to two games, four to two games, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's not impossible. But if you were, if you're going to ask me like, what's the thing on this pitching staff that, I'm most intrigued by, or that I think has the chance to really impress. You might say, you might say, well, Justin Steele, look what he did last year. And you might be right. Watch Hayden Wisniewski. I really like this kid. I've said it since probably the Philadelphia start last September. And I've said it all winter going into spring. I thought he was their best chance to compete this year, by by him making the rotation, he did, he earned it. He pitched his ass off and, and, I think he has a chance, especially in the five spot at the back end of that rotation, where at least early in the season, he's going to see fours and fives as opposing pitchers. He's going to have a chance to really have an impact in terms of winning games. Um, wh wh you know, whether it's the team winning his starts or him actually winning the games, I think he's got a chance to get more run support facing those opponents. 
Um, he's, they've got a good, a good, a better, much better fielding team behind him than they did a year ago. Uh, and this guy can pitch. I just, I, I just love his poise and his stuff. Um, I, I, I picked him. He's my pick to win rookie of the year. Old prediction, but I think you're right. And I think he's definitely better than four or fives on other teams by far. He could end up moving up in this rotation by season's end if he's that effective. I think he's in this rotation. I think uh, it's it's very possible, if not likely, that he's better than the five. Um, some of the other ones, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's probably a five in the Brewers rotation. <laughs> in that case, for sure. You know, I wanted to ask you about the Cubs pitching in general. I mean, last year, whether it was an aberration or not, it was certainly impressive. Lots of young arms this season. This is something we really didn't see too much of in 2015, 2016, 2017. Why do you didn't think the any Cubs have found a way to, or how have they found a way <laughs> to start developing these young arms? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to push back just a little bit, just okay. a little bit, because I think there's some good signs here. I, th- I think there's with between what Craig Breslow's done and what Dan Kantrovitz has done. Um, and they br- brought those guys in and given them voices of authority here just in recent years. I think we're starting to see what could lead to some significant change in that regard at the big league level. So far we're seeing it in the bullpen and that's, good. That's fine. Where your test of your farm system is when you talk about developing pitchers is starting pitching. That is hard to do. Um, and it is, it appears to be especially hard for the Cubs. Um, at least since, uh, Theo and Jed took over. I mean, there, there were, there was no pitching development for eight, nine years or more in that stretch until they made some of these recent changes and they made changes along the way then. So if you look at it, we talk about Wisniewski. He was acquired in a trade from the Yankees in, in the, in, uh, at the trade deadline last summer. Um, ben Brown's one of their prospects. He was acquired at the trade deadline last summer. Um, Alzelay's homegrown, but for all, for all the hype he got, uh, he, he didn't pan out. He wasn't good enough to stick in the rotation. He's, he's still got a really nice arm. He still had some health issues. And we'll see. We'll see what he does. He might find himself a niche in. Uh, I, he's a great. He's a great kid. Um, I, I, I. He's a guy, kind of guy you root for. Um, and he's got enough of an arm, sure. Um, but he's not a starter. Justin Steele's the one, right? And keep in mind, he finished on the IL last year, and that's been an issue for him throughout his minor league career too. And 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 by the way, Justin Steele was already there before some of these more recent changes happened. So they've got some guys, Caleb Killian in the system, came over in a Bryant trade. Um, they do have some first rounders uh, that, they, that they picked in, in recent years uh, who, who are well regarded. We'll see how they uh, matriculate through the system and and what they wind up doing uh, when and if they get the big leagues. But I don't think we can start saying they've changed this, this, yeah, call it a narrative if you want, this, this track record. Um, it, it's, it seems to be coming, right? And we're seeing especially signs in the bullpen and that's not nothing. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and until, Justice Steele backs it up with a full year and then he kind of becomes established as a, a regular big league starter. And we see somebody come in behind him that they've drafted and developed. 
in addition to those bullpen arms, then I think uh, that I think we're not there yet. Can you explain why those Cubs teams of 15, 16, 17, et cetera, just couldn't develop young talent, young starting pitching? Well, a big part of it was the philosophy of the front office. Um, you saw who they drafted when they had, let's see, they came in and had the number six overall pick. Then they had the number two overall pick. Then they had the number four overall pick. Then number nine overall. This, this was their first four draft picks in one case, they took a high school hitter, and that was Albert Almora, who <clears throat> didn't didn't reach his ceiling. And the other three were college hitters who uh, have all been all stars since then. Um, that that was their approach. They they decided to hit pitching with volume a little later than those those high first round picks. You saw some. Um, there were some philosophies on types of pitchers that they drafted and then and then uh, some some uh, player development philosophies and then again they overhauled in fact they overhauled right about that time 15 16 um, and then they overhauled again a, a few years later Gordon Whitmire here with us on Sports Talk Chicago John's Glow here with you and John Meadows directing and producing uh, Gordon, what do you think about Kyle Hendricks this year? We haven't heard his name a lot. You know, he's coming off injuries and poor performance the past couple of years. Any expectations for him in this rotation? Yeah, he's he's one that people are going to forget about real fast, especially if there's some interesting and fun things to watch the first month or so of the season. But all signs so far have been positive with his comeback since spring training started. He's thrown off a mound. He hasn't had any setbacks. He's expected to, to be back from this shoulder issue that shut him down last year sometime in May. Um, they don't have to rush him, uh, you know, they, you know, assuming they stay healthy, they've, they've got their five guys right now. Um, but, but yeah, if this is, if he doesn't have any setbacks and, and he comes back with just the command that we've seen him have in the past, then he could have a, he could have a big impact. Uh, like, like immediate. I mean, he's an opening day starter. He's a three-time opening day starter for this club. And you drop him in somewhere, anywhere when he's ready to go. And you're, and you're replacing uh, your fifth best starter with him is what, what would happen or a guy that's hurt. So he could come in right away. And uh, if, if three of the other starters are, are going pretty well, you could all of a sudden be talking about a guy that's going to come in and have an impact on creating winning streaks. And then, then the other thing is, uh, you know, I don't want to overplay this, but he's also a guy that could be on the block at the deadline if he's back, like we're saying, and he looks pretty good and they're out of it because teams will be asking for him. This is a guy that beat Kershaw in the playoffs. This is a guy that started game seven of the World Series championship uh, uh, ever, really, and, uh, and, and performed at the, at the top level. This is a guy that teams with playoff aspirations and serious rotation needs are, are going to definitely ask for, whether he's available or not. And if they're out of it, they probably get as much for him now as they would get. Now he's got a, a modest uh, contract option for next year. Uh, you could, you know, you could pick that up. If you think you're going to compete and you've got a good relationship with the guy, you could also extend him. 
you got that kind of relationship with the guide. So it really depends on where you think you are uh, and uh, wh what you want to commit to them. But if you do decide you want to trade him, and they've literally gotten rid of everybody else from that 2016 team, he's the last guy. Uh, so I don't think that they're going to, I don't think there's any sentimental uh, reasons that they're going to keep him around. Um, then, then that's probably when you would trade him, assuming that he's showing good health. Because if you do keep him into next year, uh, and then you decide you want to move him at next year's deadline for whatever reason, you probably lost that option because he becomes his tenth year anniversary in the league is early July of next year. At which point, if he's still with the Cubs, makes him a 10 and 5 player. And I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know what that means, right? That means yeah. 10 years in the majors and five with the same, the last five with the same team, which gives you full no trade rights. And and the union wants guys who earn that. There are very few of them. And guys get uh, contractual rights, no trade rights. That's one thing. And union doesn't really look hard at that if you want to waive your rights on that union looks really hard at 10, five guys who get asked to waive their rights because you're representing the union a lot of times. So um, they, they like to see those rights uh, utilized. Very interesting about Kyle Hendricks. And let me ask you this, Gordon, too, you mentioned the trade deadline coming up. I mean, Let's throw a hypothetical out there. Let's say the Cubs are competing. Let's say they're like the Orioles last year. Maybe they're around 500. They're in the wild card hunt. Do you think they end up trying to get over that hump and make the playoffs, or are they still going to be in seller's mode unless they're really killing it this year and build up for 2024 and beyond? I like to think that they would they would try to win, right? Okay. I, I think that they, they, they've got money left in the budget, um, and <laughs> they talk like that's what they want to do. And I don't have any reason to think they wouldn't. I don't know why they why they would sell if they're in that position. If they're close, if they're what the if if they're what the Orioles were last year, especially if you're in this division, that probably means something's going on with the teams above you, or at least one of them. Uh, if you're in position to maybe challenge for a playoff spot, so I would think I would think you do that I, uh, to be able to. To be able to come out of this year and say, we got one of those wild card spots. We got bounced in the first round, but we got one of those wild card spots. That is a that is a solid uh, piece, a uh, uh, block to build on. Um, and, and so I would think they would do that. And there's no reason, there's no financial reason not to, uh, uh, you know. But they do, if it's close, this front office has tended to analyze those opportunities leaning towards selling they you know um trying to remember there was a, there was an example of this i'll tell you what in 2017 remember what remember after the championship uh they they were i want to say four and a half or five and a half games out maybe two games under 500 or something theo admitted after the fact he was maybe within one bad week of selling as they uh, coming out of the all-star break now, he got a deal for Quintana, and Quintana helped. He pitched his ass. I mean, he pitched probably his best game as a Cub in his first start as a Cub. Uh, and they went on. They got really hot really fast out of the break. Had they gone the other way, he 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 said he was th that close to selling. Wow. 
And I think and that's coming off the World Series, right? With that. Right, exactly. I mean, that reminds me a lot of the Red Sox after they won the World Series and fired Dave Dombrowski the very next season. They had a whole rebuild after that. Yeah. Now, he wouldn't, I, I don't think he would have been trading from the young core that was sure. still, you know, zero to three guys. But, right. you know, Arietta, I think, was a, a fairly short timer at that point. There was another pitcher maybe in the rotation. Uh, they had a one-year closer, you know, stuff like that. Sure. Gordon Whitmire still with us on Sports Talk Chicago. Great insights from Gordon here on the program. And I wanted to ask you now about um, your new opportunities, your new gigs. You're doing the Recap Cubs podcast with David Kaplan, MLB Insider at SportsNot. How'd that stuff come up? Well, it came up because uh, NBC Sports Chicago uh, made me one of the people they kicked to the curb when uh, when they made a bunch of cuts. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it, I'm, not, uh, I'm not alone in that club. Um, but, you know, and you see it, you, actually, you're seeing it all over sports media. Um, a lot of companies are doing that. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I knew somebody who knew somebody over at Sports Night. It's just a freelance gig. It's, it's, uh, it's not a, a full-time deal. Um, uh, the thing with Cap is just, we, we, we were already doing a, a podcast uh, with NBC and uh, we really enjoy working together. It, it was a natural when we both uh, had the uh, freedom to just, you know, go out on our own and do it. So I'm having a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, you know, I'll probably be out at Wrigley and, and uh, Southside quite a bit uh, as we get underway here. Um, meanwhile, I got, I got some other irons in the fire. You know, we'll, we'll see what comes up down the road. Um, I'm, Anything I'm, you I'm wish to share? Anything you wish to disclose a little bit? Oh, no, 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 no. You'll, you'll, see, it. you'll see it when it happens. I had to ask. I mean, I'll, I'm, we're, we're live. I'm obligated to ask the question. I, I appreciate that. I, I, believe <laughs> me, I, know, I, I know what that's like. <laughs> well, it's great to see you still in the sport. I mean, you've been covering the Cubs for a long time. Chicago Sun-Times, NBC Sports Chicago. Um, what do you miss about being specifically on that beat? I know you're going to be doing both teams. Is there something you miss about specifically being there? There is a um, there is an aspect uh, of the daily grind, right? That, sure. Uh, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the players and coaches and stuff when they when they move on. Uh, talk a lot about that. You do miss that. I mean, it, and it is a grind. I mean, I'm telling you that, I mean, there's times when you you're cursing that really, I, I mean, uh, another day of the same thing or, 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 you know, 6am flight after a night game somewhere. And then you got to, you know, maybe you got a day game the next day. I mean, you got turnarounds uh, and, and it, and it just goes and it goes and it goes, but it's also kind of um, kind of um, self uh, uh fueling, I guess. I mean, it, 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 it keeps you going. You always know where you're going next and you always kind of plan for it and you, uh, it's self-sustaining, I guess is what I mean. So it, it's a grind on the one hand, but when, when you love it, like I do, I mean, I, I love uh, being around it. I love the game. Uh, I, I, I've spent decades living the rhythms of the schedule and that's, so that's the part, right? That's the biggest part that, that you miss. I mean, you kind of miss it almost almost biologically right i mean uh, it's just you because you you don't know what to do with yourself sometimes what made you fall in love with baseball how'd that start uh, you know like most of us as a kid um you know playing a game as a kid and then having your favorite players and just that first time at a ballpark a uh, big league ballpark and just the magic of it uh yeah I, you know 
summertime. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the sights and the smells, even, you know, the, the grass. Uh, I mean, uh, those, you know, playing in tournaments as a kid, and you know, it's just, you know, 90 something degrees out and you get double headers and, and, uh, you know, you, you, you just don't want to come off the field, you know, um, and getting dirty. I, lo- I loved, uh, boy, I hated it if my uniform wasn't dirty when I was done playing, but just aesthetically, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, why does, why does anybody fall in love with, uh, the sports and, um, but uh, it happened really early, and uh, and it stuck. Uh, and then I got a chance. I, you know, really lucky. I got a chance to to be even closer to it. And um, I remember, I remember when I got my first full time beat. And uh, a writer told me after my first year, we were breaking camp, second spring training, and this was a this was an old timer at, at the time who said, uh, I guess that's me now. And he said, uh, he said, Gordy, you're going to have a, a choice to make really soon. He says, you're, you're going to have to, I said, well, what's that? He says, you're going to have to decide whether this is something you want to do long-term. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, because if you, if you don't, you, you can wind up kind of getting stuck. You know, you can kind of wind up just doing it. And, 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 and I don't know if he was saying you get kind of pigeonholed. I mean, back then, I guess, um, you know, you, 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 it, it it's a narrower skill set after a while. And, uh, he says, uh, so if you, so if you want to, if you want to get out and do something different, now is probably the time to make that decision. I said, no way. I love this. I love, no way. And, uh, it was, uh, and I, I and I never looked back and I never regret, regretted it. Sounded like that really motivated you to keep going, but was that one of the main factors or what really motivated you to continue to grow? No, it, it, it made me think, uh, it made me think in different terms, but I was already there. I mean, it, it, if anything, it validated what I already thought and felt. Um, I was already really motivated. I mean, you know, hell I was, I was the, uh, <laughs> I was the sports editor at my high school paper, uh, Badger in, uh, this is in Seattle area, Badger in the Mariners for press passes. And I would get like, they'd give me passes to a, uh, uh, a series every, every year. Right. So, um, in fact, I, in fact, one of, one of them one year was the white Sox because they had a graduate from my high school, Dan Spilner on the team. And they had another guy that was from the Seattle area, Floyd, Floyd Bannister was on the team. So they gave me passes. I said, Oh, you know, we got people in our school that are huge baseball fans. Not really. But I said, you know, so I'm gonna go do some stories on these guys. And they, so they gave me some passes. Who's your favorite player that you've covered? Oh man. So I covered Ken Griffey jr. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was uh, on that team with Edgar Martinez and, uh, uh, Randy Johnson and Jay Buhner. And when a rod came up, uh, I really like junior. I mean, I like him. He's, he's, he's a good person. He's, uh, people that didn't know him or cover him probably thought he was kind of prickly. Uh, but he's, he's, he's good people. Um, then I went to the, the twins soon after that. And, uh, some of my favorites, David Ortiz, um, before he went to the Red Sox. God, I love that guy. Uh, uh, Johan Santana. I went to Venezuela and spent some time with Johan and his, and his family. Um, just wonderful. Uh, 
most of those, actually most of those guys on that team were pretty, pretty cool to cover. Um, Tory Hunter, Tory Hunter is one of my, one of, one of my favorites. Uh, go to, uh, the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs have had a lot of really good dudes over the years. Um, you know, you know, those, that, that Rizzo Bryant core uh, hobby. I love hobby. Wilson Contreras, man. I, I'm a big Wilson Contreras guy. Uh, he's, he's good people and he plays his ass off. And I think he, I think he should have got treated better here. Um, Lester was good to cover. I mean, really, I mean, it, it's, it's a fairly long list, you know, baseball's got a lot of good people, you know, there, there aren't too many people that can last in the game and be dicks, you know, put it that way. You know. <laughs> Is there anybody on that list that you have? Anybody who's been for lack of a better term, a dick to you or oh, yeah. when you've covered them? You want to name anybody? Well, you don't have to, but I'm going to ask. I mean, some 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 guys have maybe been dicks to me, or 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 not, or teed off on me, or whatever. Sure. And and sometimes, some maybe it's my fault. And and also, it's their space. So I don't I don't automatically hold that against anybody. Um, I've had tons of managers tee off on me. Um, <laughs> But but it, it's the it's the it's the guys that you that that are it's like anybody else it's like any, anything else right it's the guys that um, don't treat the people around them well so whether you treat me well or not I'm the media maybe you hate the media maybe maybe you don't like me maybe you you don't like my stupid beard I I don't know and that's fine <laughs> it's your space I'm covering you in your space um, so that's that's fine. But when you also, you don't treat the clubbies well, or you're bad teammate, or, you know, you, you, you know, you're just a bad guy. Well, then, then, you know, the gloves are off. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't care. I'll, you know, I'll call you out. Can we hear a manager's story? Manager teeing off on you? All right. I'll, hmm. Well, I'll give you one. Okay. From, I'll give you one from uh, back in the day when, uh, and this is back in the day, this is back in the eighties. I was a, a punk ass kid working as a copy boy for the, back when they had copy boys for the Seattle post intelligence or back when they had a Seattle post intelligence and uh, Bill Plaschke, who's you know, award-winning columnist for the LA times, one of the greatest writers around uh, was the Mariners beat writer at the time. He was like the, one of the youngest beat writers in the country at the time. And he was our, our mayor's beat writer. I went up to him one time and, and asked him uh, if I could volunteer my off nights uh, to work with him, see how he works. And I'll do whatever he wanted. I'll keep his stats. And, you know, there were no stats back then. And, and I, you know, I kept pitch counts for him and ground balls, fly balls, strikeouts, all that. Um, and, uh, and then I would work the visiting clubhouse for him. So I just, I just worked for free on my nights off doing whatever he told me to do. And so he would send me into these clubhouses. And back then, uh, whether you dealt well with the media was not remotely part of the job requirement of a manager. It's a big part of it now, but, uh, they didn't always, I mean, typically, you know, you know, you talk nowadays, it's like, what time does the manager meet the media? Back then, there was never a time for that. 
is he went up to the batting cage and if you had some questions, you asked him, you found him in his office. If you had a question, you asked him. Um, that's why I get kind of peeved at people who just assume that these guys just show up and talk uh, nowadays. But I remember a post game, the angels, Gene mock was manager of the angels and uh, Mariners sucked like always. And the angels were battling for, it might've even been, it might've been 86. Um, when they made the playoffs uh, and they came in and they got beat like three out of four in the kingdom and mock was pissed. And, and uh, you know, my assignment was, you know, go get a quote on losing three out of four to the Mariners, uh, the shitty team. And the other writers knew that, I guess they knew mock was, was, was ready to chew somebody's head off. So they weren't asking the question I needed to ask. So I just asked him straight up <laughs> and then he just starts going off. How do you think I feel about that? What do you think I think about losing three out of four? Of them? What kind of question is that? And he starts just, just tearing into me. And, uh, and then when he gets done ranting, get out of my office. He kicked us all out and slammed the door. And I looked at the other LA writers and I said, Oh man, I'm sorry about that. They said, no, that was great. Dang. <laughs> they got a story out of that. Okay, that's just one example, and I, I don't need to go into too many more. <laughs> on that note, I think we should end on that. Gordon, um, I appreciate you making the time. Great insights, as always, regarding the Cubs and Major League Baseball, and looking forward to following your coverage this year of this big season for many different reasons. Oh, yeah, always sure. appreciate the time. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. <laughs> Gordon Wittenmeyer on the program with us tonight. Had a great time with him. This is Sports Talk Chicago. John Zaglula here with you. John Meadows producing and directing. Gordon Wittenmeyer, of course, uh, former Cubs insider for NBC Sports Chicago, doing a couple of freelance gigs right now. You can find his work on sportsnot.com. and also find his podcast with David Kaplan, the Cubs Recap Podcast, over on YouTube and all your favorite podcasting platforms. You can find us on podcasting platforms as well. Sports Talk Chicago, Apple, Spotify, um, Tune in, iHeart, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast, find us there. Find us on YouTube, Sports Talk Chicago, and all of our social media at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports. Make sure you like that video, subscribe to the channel, and hang with us for the best sports coverage in all of Chicago land as we talk about every team. Opening day tomorrow. We did some preview videos this past weekend on the Cubs and White Sox. Check those out. And of course, as always, the Bears and the draft is coming up. So make sure you're ready for that too. Presented by our good sponsor, Amish Country Farms, for the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland. Head up Amish Country Farms today in Orland Park. High order form season is in effect. You can head on in there, give them a phone call, customize a pie, and it will be delivered to you a week from when you order it from the Amish fresh from northern Indiana. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. For John Meadows, directing and producing and making sure everything works behind the scenes, I'm John Zaglul. We will see you on Sunday. For a big program, you don't want to miss it. So long, everybody.